Tamira. Hey, I'm Julia. Hey, I'm Adanya. Hey, I'm Kaylin. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the, the end, end of the, the alphabet. alphabet. It was December 28th, 2010. This would be the day that changed Dylan Rizzo's life forever. Before this time, he was actively involved in sports in his school community in Linfield, Massachusetts. He played hockey and he was involved in high jump on the track team. The day of his accident, before the accident occurred, he was watching a local hockey tournament with his father and had a family dinner at his grandmother's house. Around 8.30 at night, he had left to drop his sister off. On his way back out to a friend's house to play video games, he had gotten into an altercation with his mother over an Xbox controller. By the time his mother found the controller and was calling him back, it was too late. He had already gotten his accident. He had crushed his door into a telephone pole by possibly hitting a black ice patch. He had on no seatbelt. He was not unconscious and he had gurgled breathing on impact. By the time the ambulance and everybody got there to try to save him, it took eight minutes to get him out of the car. It, took, it was a 29 minute drive to the hospital and he had so much blood that they couldn't insert the tube on the way there for him to breathe. He ended up going into a coma. He was taken to Massachusetts General Hospital and there was doubts that he would even live. At the time, he was 19 years old. Dylan was brought to the Massachusetts General Hospital. At the hospital, a CT scan was performed and then Dylan was rushed into surgery. Neurosurgeons removed the left side of his skull and part of the right side to stop brain hemorrhages, which is blood from a ruptured blood vessel. When he was transferred to the neuro ICU, his left leg was broken, his eyes were shut, he was on a ventilator, and he was in a deep coma. Doctors thought that the accident damaged his brainstem, but that couldn't be proven until he was stable enough for an MRI. Neuropsychologists did a coma recovery scale test, and he only scored a 1 out of 23. The car accident impacts tore the axons, disrupting message travel throughout his body. Neuropsychologist Giacino said that the probability of recovery of functional, vocational, and social independency is, was low. The doctor said that 90% of the area affected would not recover. An EEG was requested to monitor his brain activity and it was proven to be extremely low. The doctor said that Dylan displayed paroxysmal sympathetic activity. Paroxysmal sympathetic activity, also called storming, occurs among brain injury patients. The patients often sweat profusely, spike fevers, and move their limbs spastically. All of the doctors believed that Dylan would not be able to live at home comfortably and have a sense of independency. All of the doctors agreed that he would most likely have to be institutionalized and would most likely not recognize his family or be able to recall memories. The only factor that was beneficial and aided Dylan was his young age. On day 17, Dylan finally opened his eyes. Surgeons would take out half of Dylan's brain in order for the right part to swell. The swelling would take the pressure off of his brain in order for him to recover. Dylan was actually in a vegetative state and went into a coma after the surgery. 
During Dylan's vegetative state, some scientists felt that he actually had some conscious awareness. Due to Dylan's severity within his accident, there could possibly be damage to his brainstem, which could lead to problems with his vital functions and even death. With Dylan being possibly consciously aware, he was moved to a pediatric unit where they helped him stand, walk, and climb stairs. He doesn't really remember anything six months prior to his accident or even seven months after it. After two years, he was actually admitted back home. Dylan worked with several occupational therapists, which helped him with his memory and writing. On his recovery scale, he stated that he was about an 8.8 .8 or a 9. He stated that he was doing really well. He goes to weight training at least once a week at his local YMCA to help out with his daily functions as well as his movement. He's growing and wants independence and hopes in the future to have a girlfriend. Presently, Dylan is the same person except neater. He's functionally independent, volunteers as an assistant track coach, helps his father on construction sites, and hopes to resume community college. He also continues to need speech and cognitive therapy. According to psychologytoday.com, cognitive behavioral therapy is a psychosocial intervention that aims to improve mental health. CBT focuses on challenging and changing unhelpful cognitive distortions and behaviors, improving emotional regulation, and the development of personal coping strategies. And now a message from the end to the alphabet. Wearing seatbelts save lives. If Dylan Rizzo would have been wearing his seatbelt prior to getting into his accident, his injuries would have been less severe. The chances of surviving an accident increase 45% when the passengers are wearing seatbelts. Also, the argument Dylan and his mom got into before his accident could have influenced his driving. The argument was over something as petty as his Xbox controller and it could have been avoided. This is also a reminder that we should cherish our loved ones and not waste time arguing about things that don't really matter. Dylan is one of the lucky ones. TBIs are hard to come back from or even survive in general. Join us next week. Our topics will either be sex omnia or sleep violence. Whichever one happens to float our boat the most. Which one will we pick? Which one will we pick, Julia? I don't know. You never know. <gasps> Tune in next week. Bye.